0: Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, we're still preaching through our our series that we've been preaching on the power in that name, of course, uh, dealing with the names of Jesus Christ. And so many of these, uh, the names, uh, they're so much, they're so rich in teaching us uh, some things about Christ, but also directing our lives through his different names and titles, you might say, also with that. Hebrews chapter 13, if you would please stand for the reading of God's word if you're able to. Hebrews chapter 13, we'll begin reading in verse 10. It says, We have an altar, whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his blood, with his own blood... Suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach, for here have we no continuing city, but seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifices of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Praying for us, for we trust we having a good conscience in all things willingly to live honestly. Look back when verse 10, which was the first verse which we read there, says we have an altar. Whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. I'd like to preach a message of've titled, "Jesus Christ, Our altar." And let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening, asking Lord that you would meet with us in a very special way. Lord, we don't just come to church, Lord, to do it out of, out of routine, but Lord, I pray that we come with a desire to hear from heaven. Lord with a desire to learn more about you, to draw nigh to you to see, Lord, you honored and glorified and lifted up. Lord, there's a great need in our day. There's people who are, Lord, without Christ and, and dying without Christ, and Lord, we need to get the gospel to them. But Lord, we as Christians must walk in this day, Lord, where they might see Jesus Christ in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us to be that witness and that testimony, but I pray, Lord, that you'd be with those who are lost, that you'd draw them to you. We ask now, Lord, that you'd be with our nation. Forgive us, Lord, as a nation where we've sinned against you. Lord, I pray that we might draw back and come back to thee. Have your will and way, Lord, in the preaching of thy word tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. This is kind of a peculiar verse in one way, and a little bit of a peculiar title or a name that a lot of times we don't look at. A lot of people read over this verse real quickly and they come to a very quick conclusion without really reading it and and doing a little study on it. It says, We have an altar. We have an altar, whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacles. And of course, he's going back in Hebrews here. He's talking, basically dealing back in the Old Testament when they had the tabernacle and they were uh, offering sacrifices and, and they were well accustomed to that. Many have tried to take this verse and really tried to uh, and, and tie it to the cross as the cross being the altar. And that would be for us to say that we have an altar, which is the cross, And I understand when people look at that and they see that and they think, well, the 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 cross is the altar because that's where Jesus Christ was sacrificed. But it's much more than that. The altar is much more than that. It's more than just the cross. It's it's uh, you've got to realize it's Jesus Christ actually, which is our high priest. He is our altar and he is our sacrifice. He's all three. He's it's not just one he is all three. He, you can go through the different scriptures and find that he is the sacrifice. Yes. We go to other scriptures and find out that he is the high priest. Yes. But here we find that he is the altar. And without that altar, we're going to look at that tonight and, and get a little understanding what I'm talking about. Uh, we're all familiar, as I said, with the altar in the Old Testament where the priest would offer the sacrifice upon it, making atonement for sins of the people. Uh, These were basically or merely coverings, you might say, until we had the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ, who came to die for us that we might have uh, forgiveness of sin and rise again the third day. And so uh, we see this here, the ultimate sacrifice, the sinless, perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ, who would be offered up for you and me. So first of all here, we look at this. We have an altar. Again there in verse 10, it says we have an altar. Uh, By this, which is meant that we have not the cross of Christ on which he was crucified, and not even the Lord's Supper table by which we uh, go into reference when we take of the Lord's Supper as we remember his blood and we remember his body in in taking of the Lord's Supper. Some would even recognize or try to say that the the altar that we have would be that, but it's not. It's much more than that, and it is Jesus Christ. He is that altar upon which... uh, uh, the sacrifice basically was made, you might say, but Christ Himself is that altar, the sacrifice, the priest altogether. He's typified, or you might say, by or a typology of the brazen altar that was in the tabernacle. That tabernacle there, the, that was where the burnt offering and the sacrifices were offered upon it. They had the brazen altar there, and they would bring in, they would take the lamb and, or maybe it was a heifer or whatever the the sacrifice was for the sin offering, and they would. Uh, kill the animal and they would cut it up and they would clean it the call and stuff out and, and the inwards and, and it would be laid the Bible says in order upon that altar upon that brazen altar and that altar was a place where it was consumed by the fire uh, there and it would send up a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord and so this is the, uh, the typology that we have here uh, so let's consider this altar the altar was made of shittim wood uh, is a is a different type of wood. It was covered with brass, completely housed you might say. Uh, I don't know if they literally got the brass hot and dipped this in the brass, but it was covered completely with brass. and it would be denoting uh, uh, the incorruptibleness uh, and duration and the strength of Jesus Christ. You know how 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 enduring brass is. we use it in a lot of in a, in a lot of things where we want uh, if there's a lot of wear and tear out, we put brass bushings and in it and and it holds up real well, and so it would be a typifying of Jesus Christ of how enduring he is. You see, our altar, Jesus Christ, was incorruptible. That wood couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't rot because it was the shitham wood, a, a certain type of wood. It, it didn't it didn't rot well. It was it just it was good wood. It's kind of like you know we make a lot of things, cedar post and even the. Uh, um, Oh, now I went blank. But a hedge post, uh, because they don't rot. They're—I mean—they just hang together for so long. Well, that'd be the same way with the shittim wood there also. But then it was covered with the brass so that it would—it would endure and it wouldn't wouldn't have that that uh, inc- that corruption that would set in. When you look at First John chapter three and verse five, it says, "And we know that." He was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. He was, There was no corruption in Jesus Christ. He is our altar. He's a picture of that brazen altar and there is no corruption in him. There was no sin in Jesus Christ. We find that this altar, uh, Jesus Christ, is an enduring, limitless altar uh, to come before. He, he if we look at that and we we begin to think about Jesus Christ as the altar, there Hebrews thirteen eight says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. This altar didn't change; it was an unchanging altar. You know, many times uh, things that w- if you're trying to heat something up and cook things, there's certain types of metal that you got it it warps and and. Uh, Changes shape when you get it hot. You know, you go out and you buy these pans. They say, well, you know, you need to buy this $600 uh, cooking utensils, these pans, these pots, and everything. And boy, you think, man, I got the greatest thing. You put them on the stove and you get it a little bit too hot and they warp and everything else. Uh, That's not the way that brazen altar was. It was able to handle the heat, it was unchanging. Can I tell you something tonight? It doesn't matter what comes in life. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He is continually the same. And so this altar upon which uh, 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 that we're talking about tonight, He's unchanging, so you know what to expect. You know what what Jesus Christ is going to be today. You know what He's going to be tomorrow. And so He's unchanging. He never changes. But also this altar is an altar of all power. We talk about the strength, not just the, the incorruptibleness of Christ and the duration that he's the same, but also the strength of Christ. Because of the brass and because of the framing that, of the shittim wood inside, it was held together. It was strong. It could hold the... You stop and think about the sacrifices. Um, it could be a heifer, and I realize it wasn't the whole heifer. It would be cut up and laid upon there. But it had to be sturdy. It had to be strong. It had to have some strength to it. Well, today, you know what we've got today in Christianity? We've got weakness. But that's not the way our altar is. Our altar is strong. Our altar has great strength. Jesus Christ, He's sturdy. He's enduring. He has power. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, it says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Absolutely everything. He has power over all things. Sometimes I think Christians, we forget how powerful our God and how strong our God is. And we don't come to him like we ought to, asking for great and mighty things. He tells us in Jeremiah 33, he says, Call on me and I will answer thee and show thee little bitty things so that you can get along. No. He says, Great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He's powerful. You know, we get so worried about, you know, and and here's the and and this happened during the COVID, and I'm not, and I'm not making light of of the COVID, and I'm not making light of the deaths and everything, but can I tell you something? That we have a savior that is more powerful than COVID. And yet today it seems as though churches didn't think so. It seems as though Christians didn't think so. It seems as though that we forget that God is all powerful and He's able to, to take care of all things and do all things well and He is, is more powerful than that. I was talking with a preacher today and, and uh, he was telling me about a relative of his that uh, he, uh, he'd, he, he even after the churches had opened back up, he, he, he wouldn't come back to church and, and he, he went and visited him. And it was a relative and he said, Hey, he said, uh, haven't been seen. He said, oh, he said, I just can't go. He said, you know... He said, uh, he said, uh, "If I go, he said, I'll get COVID and I'll die." He said, I'll get COVID and I'll die." Two weeks ago, he got COVID. And he didn't die. So when he came to church, The preacher said to him, he said, hey, you had COVID, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said, it's pretty rough. He said, yeah, it is. He said, i would had it too, and I've had it. Mm-hmm. He said, you didn't die, did you? <laughs> and I'm not making light, and he wasn't making light of it. But what I'm saying is this. We've got to a place in this life Sister Meyer had it rough. But you know what? God's still more powerful than COVID. And we failed to realize so. And then we get on we get we can get, you know, we can get on a rant about and and I do my share of it about the politics and all that stuff. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter. If you fill every spot up there in the Senate and every spot in the House with the liberals who are wicked and vile and fill every position in the the judiciary and all the other levels of government, can I tell you something? Our altar is stronger than they are. Jesus Christ is more powerful than all. And sometimes we forget that. And we twiddle our thumbs and we worry ourselves to death. Oh, but preacher, didn't you hear hear about the pipeline that got hacked and shut down and everything? And boy, there's long lines at the gas station. Yeah, if you look at Americans, we probably need to be walking. I'll say me for one. But you know what? Jesus Christ, our altar, is stronger and more powerful than some hacker in Russia or wherever they are that hacked into it and shut the pipeline down, the gas pipeline. We fail to re- realize that. We have an altar. And that altar is enduring. That altar is incorruptible. And that altar is strong. We find there in Matthew, again, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. On that altar that you would find in the tabernacle, it had horns on it. Each corner, if this was the altar, there'd be a a horn here that stuck up. There'd be one that stuck up here. There'd be one stuck up here. There'd be one stuck up here. On all four corners, there was a horn that came up. It stuck up. At the four corners of that, there was the, there was the horns there. They were there for refuge. You can go through two or three different places in the, in the Old Testament and you'll find that when some of the men would flee from the king, whether it was Solomon or another, that sometimes they would run to the, the tabernacle. They would go in and they would take a hold of the horns of the of the. Oh, the altar. It was a place of refuge. It was known as not that as long as they had a hold of those horns, they would not kill them. They would not kill them. It was a place of refuge for them. Now, many of them, they would take them away from there and then take them out and, and they would kill them. But that as long as they was, had a hold of the altar, it was a refuge for them. They would flee to that. They lay hold on it. They were safe. So Christ is our refuge. To, he's a refuge to His people that come from the four corners of the earth. You might say it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter what your language is. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter anything. You can come from any of the four corners of the world, and you can find refuge at the altar, Jesus Christ. Safety. You can lay hold on Him. You can believe on Him. Those who believe in Him and lay hold on Him are preserved and protected by His power and by His grace. Do you understand that? That this altar that we're speaking of, Jesus Christ, when you come to Him and you take a hold of Him by prayer, when you take a hold of Him, uh, 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 spiritually taking a hold of Him, yes, you, you may not see Him. You may not see a literal thing to take a hold of, but you take a hold of Him spiritually with your heart and with your mind. You, you're trusting in Him. He becomes that refuge in, and He is your safety. No matter what comes. You say, well, preacher, what if this country is overrun by another nation and they and they... Close all the churches. You realize that Jesus Christ is still our refuge. And you still run to Him. He's still the altar that we come to. He is that refuge. In John chapter 6 and verse 37, He said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He said, when you take a hold of that altar, when you take a hold of Jesus Christ with your heart, For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confessions made unto salvation. With the heart, when you take a hold of him with your heart, I'm not talking about some type of intellect. I'm not not talking about just, just. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll accept. No, I'm talking about with the heart. He becomes that refuge for eternity in your life. This altar, the use of it, was for a sacrifice to be offered upon it and that sacrifice had to be a male without blemish and the holy burnt off burnt with fire and it became a sweet smelling savor unto God that altar had a fire and which was typically of Christ the human nature he was offered on the altar of his divine nature you might say which was pure and which was holy, suffered the fire of the divine wrath of God. Do you realize that when Jesus Christ died for you and me, that it was the wrath of God basically in many instances that was poured out upon His Son, upon the sins of this world? Your iniquities and my iniquities was nailed to that cross. Your sins and my sins were ever present upon Him. And all what we got to realize is that, hey, uh, uh, too many times we fail to realize that Jesus Christ suffered that divine fire, that wrath of God. But you see that fire as he was, that sacrifice was made a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord. The altar put off a sweet smelling savor. Because of the sacrifice that was on it. Colossians 1 verse 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in Him should be all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto, unto Himself by Him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And so by this sacrifice that was upon this altar... Jesus Christ being the altar, but Jesus Christ being the, the uh, sacrifice. But also Jesus Christ being the high priest offering himself. You get the picture here a little bit? The high priest in the tabernacle would come in. All the high priest could do is take it and offer it. The priest would take and they would kill the sacrifice, they would look at the sacrifice, they would make sure that it was without blemish, they would take it, they would kill it, the the high priest would offer it upon the altar, a a sweet-smelling savor would go before the Lord, if it was accepted unto God, the sins were forgiven. Here we got Jesus Christ. He's the sacrifice without blemish, spotless. But he also becomes the altar, and he becomes the high priest that offers himself upon the altar. That we might have the forgiveness of sin, a perfect sacrifice. The altar was the way of approach unto the Lord. You have to understand that, you know, today in this dispensation which we live in, we, we can go to the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, the altar, and, I'll get, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but the fact is, is in the day and time when they offered the sacrifices, the animal sacrifices unto the Lord, it was a, they did that to approach God, to come near to Him. That was the way of approaching Him. was through those sacrifices upon that altar. So the altar was a way of approaching unto the Lord. It was the, it was the, the priest that would approach the Lord by way of the sacrifice upon the altar. But now is Jesus Christ our altar, our high priest, the, the perfect sacrifice, and He is our approach unto the Heavenly Father. You get the picture here? They used to have to Everybody had a different part here. You had the sacrifice, you had the high priest, you had an altar. But Jesus Christ is all of them. This was their approach unto the Lord with all these. Now today, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the altar, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we approach God through Jesus Christ. Not through the rituals, not through the the, the keeping of the different types of, uh, of burnt sacrifices, but through Jesus Christ, He is our approach unto the Heavenly Father because He's the altar. In John 14, 6, Jesus said unto Him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, most of the time when we quote that, we're talking about salvation and we deal with it, and it does apply to that. But I believe that it also applies to the fact that how we come unto the Heavenly Father. You're not going to get to the Heavenly Father except through the altar, which is Jesus Christ. He is our approach. And so many times I think we take that for granted because we don't stop and realize that it was because of Jesus Christ, His sacrifice on the altar of Jesus Christ and the high priest Jesus Christ that we are able to come unto the Father why we don't have a tabernacle set up somewhere where we're offering animal sacrifices. Going through the rituals. We approach the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not only in salvation, but in prayer as we are instructed by Jesus Christ to, to pray in his name. That's how we approach the Heavenly Father. You say, well, why, why do we pray in his name? Well, it's like this. If you don't know me, but you know Hunter... And you're, you're wanting to talk to me, and maybe I'm really busy, you might go to him and say, Hey, listen, would you ask your dad this? Because they might call me. And well, let me just use an example. Sometimes uh, one of the things that makes a big, and Brother, Brother Ron probably knows this too, sometimes what makes a big difference, whether sometimes the missionaries get in because you get so many calls from missionaries, if we know somebody that they say, hey, you know, so-and-so, they told me to give you a call. Oh, okay. So if they thought you was a okay, pretty good missionary, okay. I, I, you know, and I'll, you find a place to get them in. That's not always the way it's got to be, but I, I'm just saying that it helps. You say, it's name dropping. There's no better name to drop than Jesus Christ. Amen. No better one to call upon than Jesus Christ. No better one to say, hey, listen, I, I, uh, uh, I, I come to you, Heavenly Father, in, in, your, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so it's important that we come to him through that altar. So if we have this altar, you said an altar is for sacrifice. Yes, it is. So then what is the sacrifice which we're to make if we have an altar? As a Christian, you have an altar. It's Jesus Christ. Look down at verse 15. There's so much I could have dealt with in some of these other verses, but I'm just going to go down to verse 16, or 15 16 here. It says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. It's easy to understand. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices... God is well-pleased. And so we see here, as he lists some of the sacrifices, the very first one that we're looking at, notice in verse 16 that there's a sacrifice, first of all, that pleases God. So if we're going to make this sacrifice in the Lord, we want to make a sacrifice that's pleasing unto Him. Because it becomes, if we, if we make a sacrifice unto Him, and it's a sweet-smelling savor, it pleases Him. And we want to please the Lord with our lives and with all that's about us. You see that there's a sacrifice that's upon that altar. Jesus Christ is going to please the Lord. So verse 15, first of all, look there. It says, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. There's a sacrifice of praise. You know, we, we lift up so many of the athletes. We lift up so many of the um, movie stars and, and reality stars and many times even a lot of the political figures are lifted up and exalted. But I'll tell you what, if you want to please the Lord, if you want to send forth a sweet-smelling savor upon the altar, Jesus Christ, learn to praise the Lord, learn to, to lift Him up. He says the sacrifice of praise to God continually, speaking of that That sacrifice. Praise unto the Lord before him and even before man. It may be that you're alone and just driving down the road. It may be that you're in your bedroom by yourself or in your office or wherever you're at by yourself. Do you realize that it's always in order to give praise unto the Lord? It's always in order to thank him. It's always in order to to praise his name and to exalt him and to magnify him. Even when you're by yourself. But it's also always in order to magnify the Lord and to praise His name in front of anybody and everybody. Not just in the congregation of God's people. But even out in a lost world where so many times they don't, uh, they don't even reckon to give praise unto God. It's always, it's always fun. I, I enjoy it to be honest with you. To be in a group of people and you know there's lost people there and something is said or, or takes, it takes place that it's fitting now. I'm talking about fittingly praising the Lord. And I'll say, well, praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for that. That is God's good, isn't he? And Boy, you see. About like a bird dog going on point. I've literally been working on things and had people to work on things with me and be working on something and maybe trying to break loose a, a hub on a, on, a, on a trailer or something like that where they had had spun that hub and it had just almost welded itself down to the spindle on it. And work, they'd be working on it, working on it. I said, come over here and see if you can get that off. And I'd go over and, and a lot of times I'll pray, Lord, to myself, Lord, help me get this off. And boy. Just sings right, it comes off, uh, and I generally say, "Praise the Lord, thank you, Lord." And boy, you get some of the strangest looks. And there's been times that I've heard them say, "What'd you say?" I said, "Praise the Lord, thank you, Lord." I said, "Lord, knew that we need to get it off there." And generally, yeah, yeah, giving thanks and praising the Lord is a sacrifice, a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Basically, what we're doing is we're lifting up the Lord and magnifying. Praise unto Him. In Psalms 147, verse 1, says, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. Otherwise, it's the right thing to do. As a Christian... It's the right thing to do to praise the Lord. I am so tired of hearing people take the Lord's name and use it in vain. I want them to hear the Lord's name used in a glorifying way. Amen. And to magnify his name. Uh, and literally I've heard people use his name in, in cursing and I'll say, that's not his last name. I say, what? The fact is, is that we need to magnify him. The psalmist said in Psalms 92.1, says it is a good thing to give thanks unto our Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Psalms 107, verse 22 says, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Giving thanks. We have become, we have become so spoiled as Americans in this nation that we fail to give God thanks for even the, the, the big things, let alone the small things in our life that God has blessed us with. Every one of us should thank him for another day of life, another breath of of air, another sunny sunshine, uh, 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 the uh, food to eat, uh, uh, a place to sleep, uh, clothes on your back and shoes on your feet, whatever it might be. Hey, listen, so many times we take so much for granted, not realizing or not acknowledging that it's by the hand of God. You could have been born in Ethiopia. You could have been born in China. You could have been born into a Buddhist family in Tibet. You could have been born anywhere, but God had uh, chose to put you where you are with who you are with. Oh, how we need to give thanks unto Him. Did you ever stop and thank Him for the gospel that came to your way so that you could get saved? Do you thank him for the, for this great salvation that you have knowing that if you was to die this very moment that you, your next step is on the streets of gold? Have you, have you stopped and given him thanks for the hand of protection? The Bible says that that uh, his angels campeth round about them that fear him. Did you give any thought to the fact that he protects you from Satan destroying you? Did you give any thought that maybe? It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord because it's a sacrifice of praise unto Him, declaring His good works and rejoicing. Psalms 16, 17 says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. And so there is the fruit of the lips that we have. Then we have also there, notice there in verse 16 again it says, but to do good. To do good. You realize that living for the Lord and to do good is a sacrifice unto the Lord, a sweet-smelling savor upon the altar of Jesus Christ that magnifies the Lord. It's a sacrifice. It's that that which we will will use to magnify the Lord, to tell others about Jesus Christ, to, to walk in your life in such a way that people can see Jesus Christ in your life. You go on past that and it says, and to communicate, forget not. You say, well, are you sure that's part of the sacrifice? He says, for with such sacrifices, talking plural here, those that he spoke of in verse 15 and also verse 16, to communicate would be to have fellowship with the Lord himself and to try to walk with him daily. And that would be pleasing. It's a sweet-smelling sacrifice uh, upon the altar of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ didn't just come and, and, and die on the cross and, and rise again the third day just for, us to go, just for us to go to heaven, but for us to have fellowship with Him, to walk with Him, to live for Him, to know Him, to share Him. And those are all sacrifices. Upon the altar of Jesus Christ. So that communicating there is not only with him in fellowship, but also to others. To communicate also takes the approach of getting the gospel to somebody else. When you tell somebody else about Jesus Christ, that is communicating. Do you realize that that's a sacrifice, a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord? That is pleasing unto God. When we share Jesus Christ with somebody else, when they can see Jesus Christ in our lives, and this is the sacrifice that we're to make. But also we find over in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect will of God. So we're to be that living sacrifice. You know when we when we talk about the sacrifices that were made in the in the tabernacle, they were they were placed upon there and they burnt up that animal that was brought in. It was it was killed. And the blood was drained and it was sprinkled upon the altar and the, the animal was laid upon that altar and, and it was burnt up. As the Lord tells us, since we have an altar, which is Jesus Christ, and we have the perfect sacrifice and we have the high priest that we can come to, the, to him because he is the high priest and that sacrifice that we can make is, our, is, is a, a living sacrifice, living for him day by day, doing that which is pleasing in his eyes, serving him. The sad fact today is that most people are living unto themselves and not living unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's not a sweet-smelling savor going up to the Lord out of people's lives. Can I ask you uh, tonight, if you was to look at your life, would your life be a sweet-smelling sacrifice unto the Lord? Jesus Christ said, I'm the, I'm the altar. I'm the high priest. Present your body a living sacrifice to me. And let me offer it upon myself before my heavenly Father that he may see me and smell the sacrifice. He's our altar. We're to present the body, not just the fruit of our lips but a life that is a true testimony of the one which we praise. It's to be holy. It's supposed to be acceptable as a sacrifice. Not just a life that is lived any old way and then thrown on the altar on Sunday. Too many Christians today, on Monday through Saturday, live their lives just any old way. Then comes Sunday and, oh... And they want to throw themselves on the altar for a sweet-smelling Savior. They want God to be pleased with them. No, my friend. It's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That we're to daily live for Him. We must seek that cleansing and that forgiveness of sin before we come upon that altar. Then closing, when this sacrifice is laid upon the altar of Jesus Christ, it's made clean and acceptable by, acceptable by, acceptable by the altar of Jesus Christ. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7 says, To the praise of glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. I don't know about you, but there's so many times I, I ask myself, Brother Ronnie, I ask myself, God... Why do you even put up with me? Say, does he ever answer? He says, I accept you because of my son. I accept you because of my son. We're accepted in the beloved. Not by our good works, not by our abilities, because we come up so short. The Bible says, "Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we come up so short. They says there that we are accepted in the blood in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. It's by His grace. We're accepted in Jesus Christ. You see, without an, our altar, Jesus Christ, we could never be accepted. Just as Cain's sacrifice was unacceptable and rejected of God, Abel's was a blood sacrifice and received by the Lord. You see, the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Our sacrifice is in the blood of Jesus Christ and made acceptable upon him. We mean upon him, He's the altar. And it's His blood that was sprinkled upon that altar, His precious blood. We have an altar whereby we may approach God. Jesus Christ is that altar. I think that through this name or through this title, that we have an altar to talk about Jesus Christ. I think what the Lord is trying to get us to see through that name, through that title is this. In the Old Testament, there were sacrifices made. That's the only way they could pre- approach God, Jehovah God of heaven. But he's saying, now I am the altar. And you approach the heavenly father by me. And with that, there can be a sweet-smelling Savior comes as we make that sacrifice a living sacrifice. The fruit of our lips, the life that we live, to magnify Him and to glorify Him. So we have an altar whereby we we may approach the Lord, Jesus Christ. But we need to realize an altar is a place of sacrifice. An altar is a place of sacrifice. In the Old Testament, when they, somebody brought a, a sin offering for themselves, they either had to buy it or it was out of their own flock. They had to make some type of sacrifice there, personal sacrifice. They didn't just go out to neighbors and get his lamb. They, it cost them something. For you and I to sacrifice upon that altar, it will cost you something. It's not free. But, oh, it's worth it. A lot of Christians, professed Christians today, don't want to make the sacrifice that becomes a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. They don't want to recognize what it takes to please God. The altar is a place of sacrifice, but it's also a place of surrender. For you and I to surrender unto the Lord, to humble ourselves, realizing what Jesus did for us, realizing That it's only through His grace and through His mercy. It's a place of surrender to His will. It's a place of death. As they would kill those animals. But now the Bible says that we are to be a living sacrifice. And Jesus Christ being that altar upon which the sacrifice is laid. But that means that we are to die to self. Die to what I want. Die to to my way. And accept his way. Die to my word and accept his word. It's a place of death, the altar is. It's a place that is a holy place, a place that is not to be taken lightly. It's a place where we must come to the high priest, Jesus Christ. When they was in the tabernacle, they came to the high priest there to offer that sacrifice. And the altar is for us to come to Jesus Christ, to get closer to Him, to know Him in a greater way. And to continually take a hold of those horns. Otherwise, taking a hold of Jesus Christ. Coming unto Him. The Bible says that He's the author and the finisher of our faith. My friend, we need to come to Him and allow Him to work in our hearts and lives. It's a place of worship of the Lord. Why do we do it? To worship Him. Preacher, did everyone say, why do you go to church every week? Because He's worthy. Why do, you, why, do you take it, why do you take all that stuff in the Bible, an old archaic book, so seriously? Because he's worthy. Why do you refrain from this and don't do that and don't do that? Don't go there and, and do these things. Because he's worthy. Can I tell you something? It's not about the do's and don'ts. It's about the altar. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about our worship unto the Lord. We have an altar. And that altar is Jesus Christ. The greatest sacrifice was made for you and me. Let's bow. Maybe tonight you just need to come and say, Lord, I want to thank you for the altar. Lord, I want to surrender at the altar. Maybe you want to come and say, Lord, I just want to come and worship you at the altar. Lord, I just want to praise you. I just want to leave a sweet smell and savor. Maybe tonight you need to come. There's something in your life that needs to be changed so that you can be a sacrifice unto the Lord to live your life for him so that you are that sweet-smelling savor. But whatever the Lord might have dealt with your heart about, just let the Lord have His way. It's a place of humbling ourselves. That's why we give an invitation for souls to be saved. Yes, to come and receive Christ. They have to humble themselves, but also for Christians to find a place to kneel and humble ourselves at what we call the altar. Isn't that amazing? When When we invite people, we say, Come to the altar. Why? It's a place of dying to self. It's a place of of humility. It's a place of putting our pride down so that we can know Christ. Father, I thank you for loving us. Be with us now, Lord. I I know that there's so much more, and and Lord, maybe didn't make it as plain as I should or could have. but Lord, I pray that we'd understand that we have an altar, and that altar is Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. That we can come, Lord. You said that you'd in no wise cast anyone out that came. Take a hold of the horns of that altar. Take a hold of Jesus Christ. We thank you for so great a salvation. Now, Lord, I pray that you have your will and weigh in the invitation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed?